Go! Am I starting this off? Yeah, why not? Alright, um, this is the first ever. Ever! Experimental, maybe the last time ever. That no. we do a demo of a product that we like. Yeah. Um, we said, why not start with a sponsor? Because we love them, you know, already. Well, plus, so they got... they have got already done Firing Squad. Yeah, full applause. Full applause. Yep. Uh, they're more than worthy of our video attention. Uh, so we've invited Teg from Uncommon on the show. And Teg is going to give us a demo... Chad and I are going to drink and ask questions. <laughs> while Where's we my beer? And then we'll publish it all around the world, and Tommen will be rich and famous, and they'll talk about us uh, on the beach in Fiji one day. Legacy. Yeah, it's a legacy. So, Tang, welcome, welcome to the first ever Chad Cheese video podcast of a demo of your products. Congratulations. I feel honored you guys would start with us. Thank you for having me. Well, excellent. So, so after the firing squad, did I mean did did you have to beat off all the employers who who wanted to? That yeah, wasn't that didn't come out right. Did you have to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> carry on. I can't come back from that one. Carry. It's it's been invaluable. <laughs> Thank you very much. Here's yeah, we promoted the right now, Chad. We got a picture of you, Chad, right, right on the center of our website. Whew. Yeah, man. Like Chad says, Chad says that we're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How's, it going? How, how's it going since we we had the firing squad? You guys got a bunch of money. Like, how's business? Uh, business is awesome. Uh, well, we did something else. Also, smart thing in the meantime, we uh, hired our sales team, so we have actually people that are. That, that can talk to all the interested employers and companies that are coming in. So, yeah, we're growing our top line uh, very nicely. So we've got a steady stream of uh, companies coming in. Then we got a mix of uh, large employers um, and, and recruiting agency, uh, both of whom are a little different in the way they operate, but both of whom find the product really valuable. Yeah. So, so here's the challenge today, Tag. So when you were on Firing Squad, um, you had said that Uncommon was simple, intuitive, had side-by-side -side comparisons, all these wonderful things that we couldn't prove because it was a podcast and there was no video. So today, you get to show I us all the cool shit. Right. You couldn't see it, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> show us the easy button, Tag. Ex yeah, and then uh, you guys came up with this, and now I actually have to you know, uh, put my money where my mouth is, and I'm in trouble. Time to prove it. Time to prove it. So give us your demo, and we're going to shoot it full of holes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure I like the last part, but, but here you go. I have many holes for you guys to find, so I'm, I'm confident in that. I'm just going to move on over to share. There's you guys. Oh, Wait, that's a big Joel. Straight. Nobody wants a big Joel. Hello. There it is. Can you see that? Sure can. All right, welcome to the Uncommon Dashboard. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm not sure the best way to, to uh, show you. I'll just, I'll just run through, and you guys stop me when you have questions. I'm sure you will, right? Yep. I, I'd say okay. instead, pretend we're, we're, pretend we're a prospect, right? Yep, exactly. So here, what I'm showing you actually is the Uncommon Dashboard for Uncommon. So um, I'm showing you actually the, the interface that we use 
to hire new employees at Uncommon. Cool. So we can run dog food, as I mentioned before. So I'm actually currently hiring for, I, I showed you last time, or I talked to you last time about the product manager role that I had open. I used to demo on that all the time. I've actually hired a product manager off this platform. Um, she's amazing. And now we're hiring for business analysts. So business analysts, uh, we're looking for someone who can, uh, we're accumulating now with all the open positions that we have listed and all the job seekers coming in with accumulating huge amounts of data. Mm -hmm. And I need to hire someone who can, um, use SQL and uh, business intelligence tools like Tableau and so on um, to uh, query that data and help us answer questions about our business, like which customers are you know the most important customers and mm -hmm. you know which positions are doing great and which positions need our attention and so on and so forth. So so, so how does the impetus is the, the the job description the actual requisition opening take us from there? The job position opens. How does it get into Uncommon? And then how do all these wonderful candidates flow into the system? Exactly. Okay, so let's. I'll show you the process of listing a new position, and then we'll come back to this screen. Because this is really the screen that you're going to use after you've listed your business analyst position. Gotcha. And you're ready to now review candidates that are coming in for that position. And as you know, um, you know we showcase for you the or we we screen for you the qualified uh, applicants and um, only show you those, and then only charge you for those. But let's back up and see how we even get to that position. So let's go and add a new position. Um, in this case, um, I have to say the position belongs to me. Um, and let's say I'm going to go start from scratch and I want to set up this business analyst position. This, all this stuff is going to look a lot like uh, any job board um, that you've been to or even an ATS that you've been to in the past. Trying to make things really streamlined. Mm -hmm. But let me show you the parts that are really unusual. So this is a job description. It's actually the real one we're using and we're showing to our uh, candidates. This is going to appear, as you can imagine, later in front of candidates. I'll show you how that works. Okay. So before I can move on, i got to preview that listing. Uh, looks good to me. So here's where the magic happens. When I click Next, our system is going to use the first piece of AI, the one that takes the job description and tries to understand it and understand what the qualifications actually are. So here we go. Extract the qualifications. And um, we can now read through, and, and you can see that these, quali these qualifications uh, are the, are, have been extracted from my position. I can go back and then show you uh, what they were, where each one came from. But uh -huh. I was looking for someone with three or more years of experience in a related job. I was looking for someone that had a bachelor's in a mathematic uh, or engineering degree. Um, this entrepreneurial thing is not so important to me, actually, so I'm going to remove that. Um, and definitely, I need someone that has uh, Excel. I'm actually going to need other skills as well. We'll go through that in just a second. Well, one thing I want to point out here is that... Craig, is there any hierarchy in those qualifications? I mean, it looks like you can move things up and down, or no? Yeah, you can. For example, let's say I make my bachelor's preferred instead of required. Uh -huh. So if I put those down, uh, so I want to point out a few things here. First of all, these qualifications are very, very important. Um, to the success of your position. And the reason is that our system is going to use these, this, this formal description of what you're looking for when they're doing um, sourcing and screening. So mm -hmm. we're going to source in places where we believe we can find people who have these qualifications, and then we are going to screen people, the applicants, for these qualifications. And then, most importantly, we are going to charge you only for people that meet these qualifications. So it's very important that you take this seriously or that our employers take this seriously and they really think about what they're interested in because we are going to find 
and ask them to pay for the candidates that meet these criteria. Right. So the, the, the criteria is the required qualifications, right? Is that the criteria that you that that you're really yeah. setting the yeah. bar at? The required qualifications are the criteria, and that's why okay. we'll talk about the forecast in a second. But I, I just want to point out we have a very flexible uh, language, like set of qualifications. If I wanted to put in a new skill that I hadn't mentioned before, like you know. Uh, you know, if I want someone to have Tableau software, note that I could have asked for table saws as well. <laughs> uh, but we have, that's just a nice little reminder for me to, sh to, to tell you that the quality, you know, I'm demoing here on, an, on uh, a common, which is obviously a tech company, and I'm looking for a relatively technical role in the tech company. Yeah. But our models aren't in any way biased towards our built or designed for technical recruiting. Um, we have customers, of course, that use us for technical recruiting. We also have customers that use us for healthcare recruiting and for, you know, um, you know, uh, retail and you know any kind of uh, industry that you can imagine. So the models are designed and trained on data that's completely general. Right, and I can see that the applicant match rate is changing over on the right hand side because I I, I I love I love the little dial thing happening there. I uh, love shiny things. I do. Move around. I do. Exactly. This is the second point piece of AI that we're using now. So the first piece was to be able to automatically extract these um, qualifications from your job description. And, you know, that's, in this use case I'm showing you, that's not essential. But we work with companies that onboard hundreds or even thousands of positions at a time. So they just give us their ATS feed, for example. So you can imagine that the automatic prediction extraction of qualifications in those cases is really important because they're not going to go through manually and find them each. So um, that's really worth what that's for. In this use case, it makes my life a little bit easier. Yeah, so I can just give you my XML feed, and then you can plunk all my jobs into your system. And at that point, I have to manually go through. Do I have to manually go through and have the system take care of it? No, there's no manual work required. We can accept a feed of positions um, from your ATS or wherever, and then we can uh, automatically source candidates that meet those qualifications and then send them directly back into your ATS. You don't actually, and after your initial setup, you don't ever have to uh, log into the Uncommon um, interface at all. Love it. Uh, I think Chad yeah. and I just created a new um, like approval uh, graphic there. We're cheering on that. Uh, wow. so no manual posting. I can't see that because uh, I'm looking at only a Just take our word for it. Okay, sounds great. Okay, so um, then the other thing I want to point, the second piece of AI we're using here is this forecast on the right. We call this the talent forecast. Um, and the reason it's there is that it can be often very hard for a recruiter when they're defining their job, their open position, to figure out what's the right level of qualification to ask for. Obviously, if they ask something that's too uh, wide open, they don't put enough qualifications in place. They're going to end up receiving candidates that are not interesting for them or their hiring manager. Um, so they're, they're, you know, they're being too, uh, too, too vague or too wide open. Um, if they, on, on the other side, if they put in too many qualifications, they're actually not going to be able to receive enough candidates for their hiring manager to talk about because they just don't exist in the market. So what we've done here is we've taken a snapshot of the market. Um, so this is, this is trained off of 50 million resumes of uh, job seekers in the United States, um, and which are distributed across uh, vertical industries and across um, different geographical locations. And we're using that data to look at how many people are available that have the set of skills here that we're asking for. And it's live. So, yes. 
that, that 50 million number has been pretty consistent since you guys launched. Is it going to get bigger? Um, is there attrition and you're like churning through candidates? Talk about that for just a second. Sure, yeah. No, there's actually a big difference between the data we use for training and the data that we're accruing on a daily basis. Yeah. So it, we are definitely adding to it in the sense that um, every day we're going and sourcing candidates for all of our open listed positions. Mm. But still, you know, I want to remind you guys we're a very young company, so um, that number is not creeping up in the millions yet. I hope that someday it will. Um, but uh, at the moment, that number is creeping up in the thousands, not in the millions. And so the, the, the actual difference to our current data set we use for training is very, very small. It, we, we licensed the initial database of resumes for that initial training of our AI systems. Gotcha. So if I'm a company, can I actually choose to utilize our database uh, to, to actually go off of and, and also the, the selection process as well? Good question. So first of all, the database, um, yes, in terms of, I'm not sure you would want to retrain our models with um, the company's own internal applicant data, um, but certainly there is a, there is a use case um, that we have uh, discussed with large employers for leveraging our technology that we have not do yet, but the, the automated screening technology, leveraging that across their current database of applicants. Um, so that's something that I think is potentially valuable competition. Gotcha. Yep. So a uh, few things here. Notice, first of all, that this is live. So if I remove um, requirements of my qualification, I'm obviously opening up the market of potential uh, candidates. And as I add, you know, as I add things back, let's bring back where I had a degree down here, the bachelor's degree. Um, drag that up. Tag. Yeah. I know that you're in you're in San Francisco, which I'm sure is a hot spot uh, for your product. But if you're in you know Toledo or Fargo or any sort of random destination in the U.S. or globally, like is this product as effective? Um, absolutely. In fact, it can be more useful in some ways in that um, our uh, that your talent pool might be smaller, for example, and it may be more important for you to understand mm -hmm. the impact of the qualifications that you're putting on. Uh, the qualifications you're adding, uh, the impact of those on the available supply in your ge geographic area. Mm. Does that make sense? So our talent forecaster is geographic. So if I go back here and I change this to uh, another market um, like Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and then I move forward, uh, you can see that I am not able to find a business analyst with three years of experience, bachelor's in a technical field, and experience with Tableau software. Ah, that's nice. So now you know if you're the same company, obviously you've got the location in San Francisco and in Tulsa, you know right out of the gate that your qualifications that are coming from the West Coast aren't going to translate into Tulsa, Oklahoma. Totally, yeah. And I want to, you know, uh, I want to let you know that this is actually, um, you know, this took us quite a bit of research to build. Um, we're going further. I don't want to announce to you yet because I don't have a demo for you, but let's say in another month, I'd like to demo for you an upgrade of this, which actually will show pricing information. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah, I'll leave it vague for right now, but basically... Um, if you think about it, uh, when I say that a candidate is harder to read, right, when, when I'm saying that you're being too strict, 
some of those candidates might still be out there, but you need to pay more to see them. Mm -hmm. that, that, that would be true on a CPC job board, and that would be true you know, in, in any other kind of advertising method you can imagine. So right. we'll, we'll see that for later, but um, but in the real long-term uh, impact or the real long-term vision of this for me is, is essentially price and, and volume information. So nice, nice tease. Information. Nice tease. Okay, so we've gotten past this. We get the the applicant match rate, which I love. Um, now, what's what's next? Looking at budget, I guess. Yeah, we ask you to set up a budget. Not very interesting at the moment. Um, you can see you, know, we, you can you get uh, you can set basically a cap on your monthly spend. Um, that also serves as a cap as a goal. Like try it, of course, to uh, satisfy your ten applicants per month with the level of advertising that we're doing for your position. Um, and then when you're done, I'm just going to discard those so I don't muck up the, the account is here. Is there a minimum that you require? Is a um, dollar minimum, so five candidates a month, which is really, you know, so low that people, I think, spending money spent less than that would not be uh, serious. So, yeah, so now we've got our, our candidates are starting to arrive, right? So we've got people in the unqualified uh, bucket here, and I've got uh, 100 of them in this case, and I've got people in the qualified bucket. And um, for each person, this is what's, well, first of all, we do the automated filter, the automated screening for you. That's really important, I think, to recognize here that in, on another system, if you were buying these candidates on a job board, you'd be paying for all 104 mm -hmm. of them. But in our case, you're only paying for the four candidates that actually meet your criteria. But what, real quick question, what if I had, what if I set my budget at five candidates, but I had 10 that came in as qualified? What would you do to be able to get either hide those five candidates or, I mean, how does the system actually work at that point? Yeah. Pay to, pay to them or something. We actually, we, we, what we try to do is actually take your posting down so that we're not, we don't continue to spend money when you feel like you're done spending money. So, gotcha. Um, we pull your post, your posting uh, temporarily uh, off of the paid services um, that are generating candidates for us and for you. Um, and secondarily, we, we do, if some people still come in, even though we're not advertising it, and that can happen because, um, let's say, uh, your position, you know, uh, all the job boards that we post on don't update immediately, for example. So you can still go over, right? So what we do is we do, we, we lock those candidates. I don't have any to show you here right now what they look like, but they look the same as these candidates, except they have a red box around. And if you want to view those candidates and view the resume, you've got to uh, open up more budget. Gotcha. But oh, here's a key thing I want to show you. That we show you the resume that the person applied with on the right, and on the left, we show the side-by-side -side comparison. This is exactly what we were talking about uh, on when we, when we talked on the podcast a few weeks ago. You asked for uh, someone who's got a contributor level. This person is actually more than that, senior manager level. Uh, you asked for someone that has two-plus years as a business analyst. This person bringing four years of business analyst. You asked for someone who's got these various kind of SQL skills. This person's got that. You asked for the bachelor's. In STEM, this person has a master's in information services, so on, a very long degree. Um, you ask for these particular skills, they have it. So the reason, you know, we're we're putting this person in the qualified bucket, um, and the reason we're charging you for this person is this person matches every single one of the required qualifications that you specify. Yeah, I love the little dispute button you have there. It's like, yeah, well, they fit all my qualifications, but I'm, I could perspective 
prospectively yeah, dispute. Well, well, the options are still. So we yeah. offer, um, first of all, you can tell us which of the qualifications they didn't meet. So, right. You know, okay, the system gets it wrong. So please tell us. And when you tell us, we're going to stick that information back into the training data for the for the AI so we can try to do a better job. Um, and also, we have an honor system here. I already know this hand. So um, as you are well aware, you know, if you work with recruiting agencies in the past. Um, there are no honor among thieves. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> recruiters are the most honest people, actually. Yes, they are. So there should be no issue whatsoever on gaming this. So we actually haven't seen gaming of this before, but we have seen other weird kind of gaming, but it didn't, didn't come from recruiters. Which your cost goes up to $100 a candidate. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we can talk more about that as well. Dynamic price is something else. I, I do have a question, Tag. Yeah. So, so this is a combination of um, when you post your job, you're not only pulling from the 50 million bucket that you already have, but you're also pushing these jobs out through a variety of programmatic job distribution or like talk about that because initially I thought you were getting everyone from that 50 million dollar or 50 million uh, candidate bucket. But it sounds like you're also pushing them out. No, no. In, fact, in fact, I want to be clear, actually, we're not getting any of these people from the 50 million uh, bucket. So those are that is a bucket of resumes of people who, yes, were job seekers at a certain point in time, um, but they're not, they haven't applied to your job. They're not interested in your job, so I'm not going to send them to you. Remember, we're only charging on interested and qualified candidates. So these candidates are all interested. These are candidates that you can see here have applied to your position at a certain, on a certain date. And so they're waiting to hear back from you. It's very, very different from going to um, one of the database companies and getting, you know, running some kind of query and getting a bunch of passive candidates that then you need to start emailing and phone calling in order to activate. Well, we do see, we do see companies use chatbots to sort of get people in the funnel and pre-screen. So it's not totally crazy to think you could just mass market to 50 million people yeah. and get candidates. Totally. In fact, I've, I've had some... Early, that's not going to be, I think, our uh, focus as a company, um, but I think it's an opportunity actually for an interesting partnership. So, um, as you can see, so 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 you asked where did the candidates come from? I think, and um, you can see that uh, we set up a pricing model that allows us to get paid when a candidate is interested and qualified, and that means that we actually sh we have aligned incentives. And then anytime we can get a candidate for you um, that to be interested and qualified, uh, we should be willing. We should be willing to consider that particular <clears throat> channel, if you will. So at the moment, we're using the the channels you would expect. We're taking your position and we are reposting it on a wide variety. I think we have um, several hundred different uh, job boards that we're posting. Uh, your job on, and some of them are paid, and some of them are free, um, and we are eating all the costs for doing that. And we are getting people to apply for your position and then qualifying them. And that's how I know that Sagar here is actually waiting to talk to you. He is interested and qualified. Um, and so I'm not putting any from the 50 million in my database. In the future, we might have an uh, incentive, or we might want to partner with a company that activates candidates through a chatbot, or through automated emails, or through any other way. Um, and, but we would still present that once we found that we would still present them to you here in exactly the same way. Yeah. So, so let's say, for instance, going the hole on every job. 
Oh, we do until we start to make it back up on the other side of the ball. There, there's confidence there. There's confidence. So, yeah, I mean, being able to do this, obviously, externally, but also we already know that there are candidates who have applied before. They know the brand, and they might not not have gotten the job, uh, but to be able to prospectively pull them in as as well, um, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we do run this on the um – uh, we do have the capability to run this on a private database, which for a very large employer or a large agency can be uh, very impactful. So, That's legit. Uh, yeah. So one more thing I wanted to show you, I forgot to mention, back on the, um, the qualifications page. So when we were going through and looking, well, this one's actually got too, too many qualifications on it, as you can see. Mm -hmm. uh, so there we go. I think that was the killer. All right. Um, so as we do this, um, thinking about the 50 million again, uh, one thing I wanted to mention to you or show to you is that these uh, candidates, um, so we actually show you sample resumes for candidates that meet your qualifications. And the reason we do this, these are not active candidates, as you can see, they're not candidates you can contact, but these are real people um, who, um, uh, who, you, who, who, we, who we would qualify if they, if they were to apply as uh, being qualified for your position. So we're doing this to you just as a sort of guidance so you can see, okay, I set these things and I ask for them, what kind of people am I likely to get? This is in a way a sort of um, a little preview of what uh, we think you're going to get. And we also, by the way, show you unqualified candidates. And, the, and we try to find people that are actually very close but miss the mark. And the reason here is that you might, in looking at some of these, realize that there's um, maybe maybe you were too strict in some way and you might want to open up some particular aspect of your qualifications. Well, and if you start out too strict, can you back it off so that it's not as strict because you're not finding the people in Tulsa, Oklahoma that you thought you would? Exactly. There are two ways to do that. Um, one is, so back here in my analyst position, one is that I can uh, actually go into the unqualified bucket and find people that I think are interesting. Mm -hmm. So I can look at each one of these unqualified candidates as well and see what it is that they're missing. Um, and I can then, uh, I can actually just go and message them anyway. Uh, whoops. Uh, so I got to, I got to, I get, but in order to do so, I got to mark them as qualified. So I have a qualified bucket, which means therefore they become, um, they become a candidate that you need to pay for. <laughs> um, and then send them a message. Exactly. So this is one way for, for us to, um, get people to, uh, A, consider candidates they wouldn't have before and B, make additional revenue. Um, but there's another way, which is, as you saw here, as I'm looking, I can actually go through and hit this edit qualifications bucket, and I actually can go through and remove some of the qualifications actually I just did a minute ago, um, and say, okay, and now that I opened that back up, that's great. When I click done, I'm actually now going to resort all of the candidates in here, and we're going to move some over because I just moved some qualifications. We're going to move some over from the unqualified to the qualified bucket. It may take a couple minutes. So I'm going through all of the candidates that are in the system and reshuffling. I don't know if you remember, but we had four qualified before. Um, with that change I just made, we now have 22 qualified candidates. Nice, nice. So from a tracking standpoint and a recording, reporting, all that other happy, boring, as Joel would say, OFCCP stuff, um, do you actually record all those changes because you know how the job came in at first, you know what the primary setting was, but any setting after that, do you record it and can you report off of it? 
Um, we can. We don't have like I can't show you a nice UI here, but uh, okay. I, I cannot show you a nice UI. But uh, we do have uh, essentially a change log or a history for um, all of these different objects that we have. Um, gotcha. So let me see. For I can just give one as, think, as an example. Where is it? Under qualifications, I think, because I'm a super user. Yeah. So look at this. This is actually just for me. We don't show this to our customers, but you can see even the change I just made a few minutes ago. You can see the change I made there. You can see other people came in and made changes to this particular position in the past and when they made those changes. Mm -hmm. That's nice. That yeah. is so, nice. Custom report for someone if they needed that for compliance purposes. When you message someone, I assume it's uh, email, correct? Exactly. Let me show you that. Um, we do. We shift to email on messaging. I think at some point in the future we'd like to add uh, text messaging. Other things. So we have a little template message. You can feel free to, uh, you know, uh, you know, change whatever you want. Totally up to you. Uh, you can say, save that as your default if you want uh, for your account, and then you can send it off to them. Um, when the candidate replies, obviously they reply directly back to you. Right. So here's an example. Hi, Gayatri. You're a star. There's a few little templates you can use in there. So. Nice. Nice. So, so their replies go to your email and your uncommon dashboard, or just one? They just go to your email. At the moment, we're not running an email proxy service like LinkedIn does. Okay. Okay. Probably at some point in the future, we'll add that. Excellent. So, yeah. No, I mean, process seems very easy, very un intuitive. I mean, you're paying for, for what you get, and if you need more, then you're going to pay more. What else? What have we missed? What else? What other kind of cool stuff? Are you guys doing that you'd like to show off? Yeah, I think in terms of uh, the demo and what we can sort of see in the UI, um, that's really the bulk of it. The, the innovation, a couple things that are happening right now that are really interesting on the product front. Um, one is that we're working in lar with larger and larger customers, so um, we're needing to um, support um, doing all of these kind of operations in bulk. So I think I already hinted about a couple of them. That's you know onboarding positions from a feed and keeping the position synced with the feed. Um, that's you know the first step. The second step is then pushing candidates back into um, the ATS. ATS. So using the ATS as APIs to automatically submit the qualified candidates back into the ATS. Mm -hmm. um, that's something which uh, we've done. Uh, we've done a few ATSs, but we have definitely a long list to work through. Um, but I, and for anyone who's listening, I want to uh, mention that we are um, uh, we can integrate new ATSs. We've proven we can integrate new ATSs very quickly, so if we don't have yours, uh, not to worry. That's something that we can probably deliver within a couple of weeks. Which ones uh, do you currently integrate with? Uh, we currently integrate with Greenhouse and Smart Recruiters. Everyone integrates with Greenhouse. It must be super easy. They're very, they're both of them actually, they're equally sophisticated. Both of them have great APIs, um, nicely documented, and they're very, uh, they provide nice support for doing that. So it's great. ISIM's your own notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else can I mention? Um, we are, just again, to hint toward the future a little bit, um, one of the things that we're really interested in. Is, so, you know, we talked about how we source the candidates. Um, at the moment, the sources of the candidates in our system are very, very opaque. Uh, so you, all you know is that we found your candidates that just qualified, you message them, they, they're there and they message you back and they meet all your qualifications. And that's good enough in some sense. 
Um, but as we start to work with larger and larger companies, yes. a lot of them are already spending, uh, you know, very large amounts of money on, on existing job boards. And they want to have more visibility into where we're advertising the positions because they don't want duplication. Yeah. So um, that's a direction that we're moving in. We're, we're moving in the direction of more transparency. And um, in a future meeting with you guys, I would love to show you how, uh, we'd love to show you actually where the candidates are coming from right. and how the money is being spent um, and how it is that we're uh, obtaining efficiencies for you. Because one of the things that we know that most uh, employers and recruiters don't know uh, is exactly what it costs to get a qualified and interested and qualified candidate through each of the job boards. We're, we're good-sized customers for each of those job boards. We run them all side-by-side side all day long. Mm -hmm. And so we have total visibility into not just the CPC, but and not just the CPA, cost per application, but right. actually the cost per interested and qualified, the CPIQ, which is a number that's much more important to the recruiters or, or the, the employer's success. Right. So, um, that's data that we're collecting on the back end right now, um, but I don't have a way to, um, to to make that visible to our customers, um, but that's something that's coming soon. Well, and, and I think that there's no question that being able to provide transparent source data is a necessity. Um, not just in your system, but to be able to pass that along to the applicant tracking system. Because once again, your platform is just going to be that easy, intuitive system that somebody goes into or, or actually works without anybody going into and starts pushing data back into the applicant tracking system. Um, so that will be incredibly important for them to be able to see um, source of hire, but also from your standpoint to be able to show aggregate wise um, where, uh, where the money's best spent. Exactly. Like we have it at the position level, but imagine put yourself in the uh, you know in the shoes of a talent acquisition director or or VP who's responsible for the whole budget, and they know every year what they're signing up for with Indeed and ZipRecruiter and LinkedIn and so on. Um, they don't have great reporting on which of those guys are driving. Uh, real value for them, and they make uh, decisions uh, in some cases today very blind, and um, that's something that we can help with. Excellent. Well, if we had the bell sound effect, which we will, we'll add that. Okay, one last question. Tank? Yes, Joel. So, a lot of the opening of this stuff is AI, automation, you talk about efficiencies and hiring, it's like it's a very smart system. And then when you get to your actual list of candidates, you go into email. Um, you mentioned text messaging, which I think is great, but should we expect more automation around the outreach component to this? In other words, you know, I mean, Google's duplex will make calls for you going forward, or at least that'll eventually happen. I need a haircut. Yeah. Have chatbots like outreach to these folks and create a you know a conversation that way. I mean, is that coming? Or are you going to keep this sort of AI until the point of you contact someone and then it's then it's manual? Good question. Let me go back to a view where I can see you. There we go. Oh. Um. Yeah. When I think about the future of the company and really meeting the needs of the recruiters and the employers that they work for. Um, 
I, I think that there's a tremendous amount of value we can create um, now just in helping them to optimize, to source in an efficient way. Um, but uh, I do think that there are some exciting technologies there on the horizon. Uh, I don't think it's going to be our focus to go and try to, to get really good at um, uh, candidate communication through chatbots. Um, I wouldn't rule it out. Maybe at some point we solve all the other obvious problems in front of us. It's something we work on. I'd be very open to partnering, for example. So I, we talked about this earlier, but if there are companies um, that can source qualified candidates efficiently because they're able to qualify them through an automated interaction, mm -hmm. Um, or activate their interest through an automated interaction, a absolutely, that would be a great partner for us. And I'd love to, if you think about it, sort of include them in the, in the list of sources that we're using. Um, but they should be held accountable to the same, from the employer's point of view, they should be held accountable to the same standard of a cost for interested and qualified. So, you know, that, that should be an interesting channel for them if they can deliver candidates um, that meet the same quality bar in a cost-effective way that's at least as cost-effective as, cost as the other channels that are being used. And if there's a way that, that some level of automation in the early communications, like scheduling the first meeting and so on, it, that that can really drive pitch for, for the recruiter, I'm, I'm all for it. But I also know that um, the ATS does a lot of that work as well. So. Uh, I'm really imagining a future, and this could change, but I'm imagining a future where we really focus on sourcing efficiently and we let the ATS do the stuff it's really good at and we let the passive outreach bots do the stuff that they're really good at and we serve as just sort of a transaction layer uh, between all those guys. I got yes. one more if I can. <laughs> Jeez, hit it. Go for it, Joel. I'm out so, of beer. An, an employer who says the best candidates aren't on job boards. So if you're basically distributing hey to job boards, it might hey be great for sales and admin positions, etc. But I'm st I still need to go sourcing as is. Like, do you agree with that, or do you think your solution can also find the needles in the haystack? Um, yeah, give me a second. Uh, comments on two levels. So one is, um, I don't think you should ever shut off your active uh, candidate acquisition process. Your mm -hmm. um, panels, um, they are very inefficient today because of the very low quality candidates that are being mixed in and coming in and um, wasting your time and money. So as you get rid of those, if you didn't have to deal with that at all, um, it's a good channel to have. Even if you believe that most of your important applicants are going to be coming through a passive channel, um, why not have that channel open? You know, you're not, especially in our model, you're not going to pay for any of the unqualified ones. So right. set your quality bar where it really is, and and talk to the candidates who come through that channel. Um, there's no reason that you wouldn't want to do that, as far as I can right. understand. Right. And maybe for those employers in those verticals, which are probably verticals where there's a huge uh, imbalance between uh, supply and demand, um, maybe for them will be a relatively small part of the mix right. in sourcing right. and how they want money sourcing. So um, that's, that's the story now. Just level with you, sure. You know, I, I get it. But if that's if that if that is really true for you, then you're going to spend most of your money there. 
um, and that's okay. Uh, in the but don't shut us off. There's no reason not to allow. Like our pricing model is set up such that there's no reason for you not to do that. Um, secondarily, though, and more in, in the future, again the CPIQ model enables us to level set all of the different acquisition channels. So. You know, the channel we're talking about is one where someone's interested and then we qualify them. Right. The other channel where someone is qualified, but then you have to go and activate them. Right. And under that, that model um, uh, is totally compatible with the CPIQ right. uh, uh, cost structure. And, um, and we have had some uh, high-level initial partnership conversations with companies that provide technology and services in that area to figure out how they could plug in to the same pricing model. So there's no reason that we couldn't have that kind of sourcing, especially if there's some automation involved and they're right. cost effective, uh, under the same umbrella. So I, I'm not doing it now, but uh, I think we may do it in the near future. Okay. Yeah, great question. Excellent. Well, hey, again, first Where time. Where can we find out more? Yes. Where can we find out more about Uncommon? Cheers. Uh, so go to www.uncommon.co, that's C-O at the end, or just Google Uncommon, we show up pretty high there, and um, <laughs> yeah, I'm out to get a trial, exactly, so uh, you can just sign in and post a job if you like, but better yet, if you're a larger uh, recruiting agency or employer, um, click the request a dental button, and we'll have either me or one of our guys get in touch with you and, and give you a customized demo. Excellent. Well, thanks. Thanks again. Very first. I don't know what we're going to call this thing, but tags the first, so it doesn't matter. Um, we appreciate it, man. And uh, but yeah, big applause. Hey, this is the first one, man. We're getting there. Okay. Yeah. So make sure you listen to the the uncommon exclusive podcast from the Chad and Cheese podcast. Um, we appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks, Doug. Thank you both so much. It's always a pleasure. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth, our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.